You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Thank everyone for listening in to another great Kendall Matthews show where I interview people who are making things happen and who are very helpful in their particular niches and what they do to help move um, a lot of individuals forward, cities forward, and foundations forward. And I have a, a great guest host on the show today, and we're going to go through his journey and talk about some of the great things that he's doing here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm just so thankful that I came upon a great article in the Phoenix Business Journal, and it was talking about smart cities and what Phoenix is doing at smart cities, and this this gentleman by the name of Dominic Popple was talking about some of the great things that we're going to be doing here uh, very shortly and leading the way with technology in this in this city and the region, and then even in, in the United States. Dominic, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, no, I really appreciate it. And some of the insights that you have with what's going on in the city with moving smart cities forward and moving technology forward here in the Valley. Um, but before I get into all the questions that I have for you, um, talk to us a little bit about um, – your foundation and the things that you're doing with your company. Yeah, yeah. So it actually, this all started about, you know, a couple of years ago. I was working for a tech company out in Scottsdale, Arizona called Integrate. And at the time, I was also getting my master's degree from ASU, a master's in public administration. But it was particularly focused on local government and really in particular city management. So having that tech piece, of my background and also going through school, looking at, you know, how to run a city, how to operate an urban environment. Um, I mainly focused on the intersection of local government and technology and how technology was really changing the way that cities in particular were delivering services and how it was, you know, affecting the daily lives of citizens. And so that's kind of a background of, you know, the real foundation for where, you know, technology and government and where I am today. Gotcha. And so today you're the executive director at the Institute for Digital Progress. And how did that all come about? Yeah, so, you know, I actually founded the Institute for Digital Progress, or IDP for short. It actually came about, I was working as a policy advisor to then Phoenix City Councilman Bill Gates. He's now the county supervisor. 
And I did a lot of work on, you know, the technology aspect. And we tried to do a lot of this kind of smart city uh, pilots and initiatives or IoT pilots and initiatives from within the city. And what we realized that it was very difficult. You know, local governments are very bureaucratic. You know, they're big. They're not very nimble. And so it was very difficult to kind of run any sort of smart city pilot from inside the city. So what I did is I did some research. I looked at, you know, traditionally smart cities like Barcelona, Dubai, Helsinki, New York, San Francisco. And, I, you know, I was wondering how do these big cities do all of these kind of innovative pilot projects within their communities? And what I found was that, one, the city either had a self-proclaimed department that would run these, like the Mayor's Office of Innovation and Technology in New York, or it was operated through an outside independent organization, usually a nonprofit. Uh, and those organizations were really responsible for driving technology forward and implementing these kinds of initiatives within. The I took a look around at the Phoenix region, and I, you know, I said, there's not really an organization doing this. Okay, you know what I'll do? I'll just go ahead and start one. So I started the Institute for Digital Progress about a year and a half ago, and it's been a tremendous success. We're, we're very excited for it. Now, what were some of the challenges that you ran into since um, starting this from from scratch and, and founding that company and seeing some of the, knowing the insides of how cities work? Um, how's your journey been as you're going through this process? Yeah, you know, anytime you start something from scratch and off the ground, it's very difficult. Uh, the hardest thing we had at first was, you know, this concept of smart cities it's relatively new. And so when we first were trying to do any sorts of projects or programs, um, the people didn't really understand what the concept of smart city was, what IoT technology was. Um, and so just basic education at first was probably the hardest, hardest part of founding the organization. And then, of course, getting community buy-in. You know, we always knew that we wanted to be an organization um, that was pushing smart city technology from the ground up instead of the top down. And so we really needed that, you know, entrepreneur commitment. We needed that um, startup engagement. And so building that sort of grassroots movement was difficult at first, but once the great thing about the Phoenix, you know, entrepreneur ecosystem, tech ecosystem is, is once, you know, they get a hold of something, they really, really run with it. And so um, once we were able to get them engaged, it was, you know, it, it, it just flowed nicely. Perfect. Well, for those individuals who are just listening in, um, we talked to Dominic Papa, the executive director and founder of IDP. Um, one of the things that you talked about um, was like a lot of individuals didn't know or don't know what smart cities are. Could you explain what's, what's your definition of that? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, think, uh, I like to take a broad um, categorization of smart cities. So a smart city to me is a city that leverages technology and data um, in order to be more efficient, more effective, and to deliver a higher quality of life to a citizen. And so a smart city can really range um, in sectors, right? So, you know, smart transportation, smart grids, smart energy, smart, um, you know, smart and connected health initiatives, all of those can fall under the broader category of smart cities. And it's basically just a way that a city can leverage emerging technologies to become more efficient and more effective. Gotcha. And so when you're talking to individuals about the smart cities and being more efficient and effective for having a higher quality of life, what are some of the feedbacks that you're receiving now 
like are are some of the things you didn't think of before that are coming up to bear now? You know what's what's really been interesting about this project and running this company is that since we are so hands-on with the community, right, we want to develop these solutions from the community because the community are the people, the people in the city are the people closest to the problems that they deal with on a daily basis. And so from working with the people and trying to understand the issues that they face, some of these issues, you know, we had never even thought of before. Um, You know, people's lack of access to online, you know, library databases or um, people's just lack of access to our transportation system, things like that. The the real issues that people encounter on a day-to-day basis was very eye-opening um, because, you know, from working from within the city, we always thought we knew what the people's problems were, but it, it's not until you actually, you know, get on their level and start talking to them one-on-one that you really develop a sense of what the true issues are within the city and then ways that technology can go about improving those issues or improving the quality of life for, you know, for the citizens that are involved. You know, that's one one key thing that you just said there, and that is talking to the people that you serve and getting from the outside of the walls. Has that been very helpful for you? Oh, tremendously helpful. Um, I mean, building smart cities from the bottom up is what we want to do. And so um, being able to work with them one-on-one in these workshops and these, you know, incubation periods where we're digesting these issues and we're trying to solve them, it's been tremendously eye-opening and it's been a very rewarding experience. Let's talk about these workshops. So what are they? What um, What is the parameters that you have around them? What are some of the big players that are a part of what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, so the workshops mainly revolve around our Smart City Hack competition, and basically what the workshops are is we like to call them ideathons. Um, and it's where, you know, we bring in staff from the local governments and we bring in the community and, you know, staff start to pitch pitch some of the issues that they see from within the city, but then the people get up and start to pitch some of the issues that they see. And then since they're all together, people start to pitch ideas for solutions to those problems. So it's it's basically a design thinking workshop um, around the issues in the community. And so it's, but again, it's bringing the city staff together with the community to one, highlight and define the problems in the community, and then start to work on solutions uh, cooperatively to those issues. Gotcha. And being able to um, work with so many different individuals, I know that you have to be a very organized and a self-starter, especially being a co-founder of your company. Uh, what's been one habit of yours that has made you more productive as that self-starter? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, organization, like you said, is key, but you, you know, what really, it's what drives, it's the passion. It's, you know, waking up early. I'm I'm a very early riser because I feel that it sets the rest of the day up. You know, the earlier I get up, the faster I get to work on the things that need to be done, the better my day becomes, the better organized, the better structured, and the more efficient I become um, throughout the day. And then, you know, that just leads into efficient weeks as well. And so I would say start early, be organized, um, and then follow through with the, the commitments that you need to get done. And while you're starting early as, as the co-founder of your company, NIDP, what has been uh, one strategy that has helped you grow your business? It's relationships. Um, you know, I I would suggest to any person that's really trying to start a business like IDP or any business for that sake, 
it's building strong and connected relationships with people, you know, no matter who it is, no matter what they might offer to your company or not offer to your company, it's building those relationships that you can then leverage moving forward. You know, I tell you what, I got, I got my position with the city because I built a relationship at a conference with the deputy city manager of the city of Phoenix. And, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go, but I, I talked to him. I understood where he was coming from and building that strong relationship allowed me to um, grow as a person and then eventually get to where I am at today. So I would say um, building relationships is the key to starting any business. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. So many people think it's either uh, marketing or cold calling or sales, but putting all those things in, but it's all about, as you said, relationships and giving of, of the knowledge yep. you have. And then good things come back to you when you don't, and when you're not trying to sell yeah. someone all the time or pitch them, is that right? Exactly, 100%. I mean, that's kind of the worst thing, you know, to always have some sort of ulterior motive. That's, that's the first way to kind of turn people off. But it's just genuinely wanting to talk to these people, get advice, and also give people advice yourself. You know, I always try to make time for anyone that, you know, especially a lot of students now that are coming through the same master's program that I came through, um, a lot of the professors have asked if I would sit down with them, and I always try to make myself available to either sit down with them personally or go back to class myself and speak about leadership and my initiatives that I'm currently running on. Because I really believe that, you know, getting back, because I've been very fortunate in my career and my life, um, that I think getting back is one of the primary keys um, to building a successful business. Um, again, you know, leveraging those kind of relationships that you've built throughout the years. Now, as you're growing, IDP, what is the what is your vision for the organization? Yeah, we we are trying to become the intellectual hub for smart city and IoT in the region in the Phoenix region. And we're actually doing something pretty innovative now. Um as we've matured, you know, in just a year and a half and more investment is starting to come our way, what we've done is we have established what we are calling the smart and connected council. And this is a group of individuals in the community that range in all different kinds of sectors in all different industries. So we've got public, private, nonprofit leaders on there. We've got everyone from um, transportation sector to energy to health to education. And what they're going to do, these, these community leaders, they're going to get together and they're going to devise a regional smart city IoT strategy for the greater Phoenix region. So that way we can become a little bit more strategic and we can start to become known as a global leader um, in certain areas and really set the Phoenix region apart internationally. Wow. That's, that's a big vision. You know, that, that gets you yeah. up at 4 o'clock in the morning saying, I've got to get this out, right? <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this is why I can't sleep at night. This is why, you know, I'm up early, you know, ready to work because, um, what we're doing here is very, very innovative. It's basically building a community strategy for technology innovation by the community for the community. So, you know, we've got companies like Intel, Avnet, Cisco, AT&T, Cox, um, and then we've got Banner Hospital, ASU, GCU, all coming together to really work together and collaboratively to form this kind of strategic mission or the strategic vision for the region. And it's exciting. I'm excited to see what this um, group of innovators comes up with. Perfect. And since you've built so many relationships, and we did talk about some, um, you know, of 
coming from a place of giving, uh, I'm quite sure you've been connected with a lot of people and you see kind of the pitfalls that they fall into that you're trying to try to avoid um, with nonprofits and starting up. What are some of the things that you would recommend people to don't do this by all means, like avoid these types of things and then do this instead? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know where I see a lot of organizations fail, and it's actually nonprofits, because a lot of times nonprofits, they start with this, you know, great expectation, this great vision, and where, where kind of um, leaders get into trouble is when they don't have the ability to pivot, right? So understanding that at times you can be wrong. It's okay to be humble and admit when you're wrong. Where where a lot of times these nonprofits run into issues is that the leader has an idea in his head of where to go, um, but then circumstances arise that may may force that vision to change. And when leaders are willing to change, aren't willing to pivot on kind of where they're taking the organization, that's where they run into trouble. And so I always recommend that be a humble leader, be that kind of servant leader that understands it's okay to say, oh, I was wrong, and then pivot the organization in order to be successful. It's when you get locked into your idea and you're not willing to change or you're not willing to listen to advice or feedback or just listen to what kind of the circumstances of the organization are telling you. That's when real trouble happens, and that's what eventually leads to very young life for some of these organizations. Right, and that's not what you want to have with yours. And so I, I've been following some of the things you've been doing, and you pivoted to change, you, but you kept growing with, with this. And mm -hmm. so that's what's awesome to see about your journey. And I, I do have a couple more questions. So, uh, yeah. And this is one of the questions that I love to ask because it gets a little bit personal. And that is, um, in the past six months, what has been the best $100 that you've recently spent for yourself or a friend? Oh, man, good one. Um, you know what? So I'd have to say it because I just uh, did this about a couple days ago. I bought a new pair of soccer cleats. So I also play professional soccer for SC Arizona here, um, and I've been playing soccer my whole life. So I actually finally went out and splurged on a new pair of cleats because I've had my, you know, my old lucky pair for years. And so I just bought a new pair, and I tell you what, just soccer shoes have come a long way since the last time I bought a new pair. So I'd have to say, you know, that, is, that has been the best hundred dollars that I've spent um, recently. That's good. I like that. That's hilarious, and I bet your feet appreciate it as well. Yes, exactly. I, it's, it's, I don't know why I waited so long to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Dominic, I have just about two more questions. I know you're very busy, okay. and you probably have to sleep because you've been up at six o'clock this morning to be working and now. What are the two or three software tools that you use every day uh, within your business or with yourself personally, and what do you love about them? Yeah, you know, I would say just from the nonprofit side, you know, QuickBooks has been a lifesaver for me, especially QuickBooks for nonprofits, because um, I like to, you know, I'm, I like to be kind of the, that leader that hovers 10,000 feet above, and sometimes it's difficult to kind of get into the weeds. But QuickBooks, especially in accounting, you have to make sure as a nonprofit that everything's um, in line with what you are doing. And so it's been a big help for me because it's, it keeps me structured. It keeps me on task and what I need to do for finances. So that way I don't run into issue, any issues there. 
Um, and then I would say probably the other software is Asana and project management. Um, because I have so many different things going on, it keeps me very focused on, okay, what needs to be done here um, with this project? And then, okay, but by the way, don't forget what's going on with this, the other project over here. And so a good project management software is always, always needed for a nonprofit because you eventually have to get your hands involved in a lot of different um, things, and so you need to be able to keep organized, and that's, a, that's another good one. Mm, no, that, that's some good advice. And and my um, my second to last question for you and it is a good one. Uh, this one is, I love to read books. Uh, I read over 80 books uh, a year. And the one of the questions that I have for you is, what is the one book that you would recommend our list, my listeners to read like this month and why? Oh, wow. oh, that's a good one. So my my parents would get a kick out of this question. We, my parents actually owned a children's bookstore growing up, so I have this affinity for books. So I'm just like you. I, I own over a 1,000 books, and I love to read. And so <laughs> trying to pick one is always a difficult task for me. But I'll tell you what my favorite book is. It's um, Team of Rivals by Doris Kern Goodwin. And why I love that book so much is it's because, it's, as I said about relationships, if you want to be a good leader, you need to understand how to build relationships, even with people that disagree with you or people that might not share the similar views of you. And the book is all about Abraham Lincoln and, you know, the, the surrounding cabinet that, or the cabinet that he surrounded himself with and how he surrounded himself with just great leaders that at times conflicted, but he knew that he needed those different viewpoints and he knew he needed those people surrounding him to be successful. So, um, it's just a tremendous book about how to be a great leader, how to form relationships that might not at first be where you think you should form them, but it eventually will take you to where you need to be. So I would recommend Team of Bibles as a, as a good book for anyone that wants to get into leadership in any position. Perfect. Well, and my last question for you. Now, uh, if you had a chance to go back in time and talk to your younger 28, 30-year-old self, what would you tell that? What would you tell that dominant? Oh, wow. Um, that's good. That's a good one. Um, I would, you know, I would say continue living your life with passion. You know, wake up every morning and do what you love um, because that's what really matters in life. You know, passion will get you everywhere. Keep the passion in your life. And don't be afraid to fail. You know, go out there, take a risk, take a chance, because whether you succeed or you fail, you're going to learn from it. And so don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to take risks. Innovate, innovate, innovate. That's basically what I would tell myself, I think. There you go. Well, I'm talking with Dominic Papa. He is the executive director at Institute for Digital Progress. And Dominic, how can people connect with you and, and find you? Yeah, I would suggest going to our website. It's azidp.com. Um, and all of the information on all of the kind of smart city programs, pilots, initiatives, challenges will be on that website. You can also uh, contact me, you know, at Dominic at IDT.city as well. Perfect. So, folks, uh, you know, what I do is just find great individuals who are willing to share, but most importantly, willing to give 
actual things that they're helping individuals grow themselves and their companies. And Dominic is just a great example of that. And one of the things that you should do is just reach out to him, check out his website, and get some of the great things that are going on and be a part of this future, this Internet of Things future that we're all going to be going through within the next one to the 30 years. Some great things are even happening. And Dominic's on the forefront of that. So I want you to continue to listen to some of the great shows that are coming up at the Kendall Matthews Show, and you keep on moving forward and make things happen. We'll talk to you soon.